Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, and welcome to the new podcast. So uh, our CBD podcast that we are going to have out is being recorded tomorrow, and so we should expect it to be out next Tuesday, so be sure that you keep an eye out for that and uh, keep following us and make sure that you spread the word about us. Uh, So the CBD podcast will be out next Tuesday. In the meantime, I thought, well, what am I going to talk about when we've been talking about the CBD podcast what am I going to talk about today? And honestly, I really had no plans because we had planned on the CBD podcast, but some things happened and we just couldn't get together for the recording. So the first thing let's talk about is, is one thing I want to do with you guys is I would love to have a question and answer session to where I get some of your questions through Facebook, through our email And I answer them through a podcast. I think that would make a really good podcast and it can get some of your questions answered. So let's go ahead and plan on having that podcast in the next few weeks. But I need you guys to step up and send me some of your questions. You can send it through email at info at dogspeak101.com. But you can also send it through our Facebook page, Dogspeak101. So you can... Uh, go either way with that. Just make sure you put on the headline questions for podcast so that we know that that's what it is. And Brittany can send that directly to me. So we'll plan on doing that in the next few weeks, but I need your help and I need you to send me some questions. Uh, Sometimes my my brain just doesn't um, hold on to ideas for the podcast. Sometimes my ideas happen when I'm out and about or I'm working with a client and I think, oh, this would be a really good podcast. 
but I'm not at the point where I can make notes and really think about it. So it would really help me to do a little question and answer session with you because if I get a lot of questions that are the same, then that might give me a really good idea on a new topic for a podcast. So please send that to me and we will get those questions answered and put it in a podcast. And maybe we'll even send out a free gift to the person with the best question. Uh, yes, we are going to do that. Uh, if Brittany was here right now, she'd probably look at me and roll, my, roll her eyes because I just make this stuff up at the last minute. So how about uh, maybe somebody can have a koozie, maybe a t-shirt. I'll have to find out what we have in stock that Brittany can send you uh, for the winning question. So why don't you guys get on that, send me your questions, and we'll have our question answer. And possibly you could win a koozie or a dog speak t-shirt. All right, so I don't really have um, one topic today, but I do want to kind of throw some thoughts around. We'll just make this kind of a hodgepodge podcast where I want to throw some thoughts around, some things that have come up recently that I feel like I'm talking a lot about. And I'm going to start out talking about using commands, verbal commands over visual cues. Um, aka hand signals. A lot of people really want to use hand signals and they really think that a dog really needs hand signals. And the fact of the matter is is that you know hand signals are fine by themselves and and I know that there are times that we need them uh, if you're training a deaf dog or you know we have an older dog who is losing his hearing so having hand signals uh, is handy for that. But for general use I just don't feel like hand signals are good. And here's the problem. Dogs are very visual. They are about body language and they pick up visual cues very easily. And they will pick up the visual cues that you don't even realize you are giving. For example, if you tell your dog to sit, but at the same time you use a hand signal, or you point your finger, or you snap your fingers, or you position your body right in front of the dog, you are giving visual cues along with your verbal cues. The problem is, is the dog is going to default to the visual cues. Now, let's say you want to give your dog the sit command, but you're unable to give that visual cue like standing in front of them. Is your dog going to respond to the verbal cue? Probably not, because he's defaulted to the visual cue. So that means that every time you want your dog to sit, you have to position your body in that way, give the visual cue in order to get the result. Now, why is this a problem? Because in real life, you're not always going to be in a certain position to be able to put your body there to get your dog to sit. What if you need to get your dog to sit from a distance or you're sitting in a chair and you want your dog to sit? You know, maybe your dog's back is turned to you. Do you want to take the time to get your dog's attention, get in front of him, and then ask to sit? That delays a lot of things. And so what I really want people to focus on is what what are you giving the dog visually that can become or will become the default cue to the dog for a behavior? Are you snapping fingers, pointing fingers, holding hands up, holding hands down? Positioning your body a certain way, bending over at the waist, squatting with your dog. What are you doing that is cueing your dog to do the behavior you're asking for? I personally want my dog 
to respond to verbal commands. If I have a dog who can respond to verbal commands, then it doesn't really matter what I'm doing, nor what my dog is doing. In other words, I don't have to waste five seconds to get my dog to look at me to get a command. And if you have a visual cue such as uh, waving your dog to you for the come command and you're saying come, now you've added extra seconds and extra steps to get your dog to come. And there's no way that you'll teach your dog to, to turn on a dime and come to you quickly if you have that visual cue because the dog has to have the visual, which means now we have to get the dog's attention, look at us, and hope that we're close enough that they can see our visual cue. So it's really best to teach dogs that what you're asking for and the words that you're putting with these behaviors, they're meant to be responded to regardless of what your body position is. And, you know, that's a hard thing for people to do because you're naturally moving your body. You may naturally be snapping. You may naturally be stepping in front of your dog when they don't sit when you ask them. So you really want to ask yourself, what am I doing that's adding cues to this command? So the best way to kind of practice that, to know your, if your dog is having problems, is um, a very simple exercise is go sit in a chair, have your dog on a leash with you, and ask the dog to sit and wait five seconds. And then if the dog doesn't, without changing anything and still sitting in that chair, Holding the leash without tugging the leash. You are not to tug the leash. So if you're unable to do that, just step on the leash. Ask the dog to sit again. If the dog does not sit, then the dog does not know the command sit. And to prove it to yourself, stand up. Position the way that you normally position yourself and ask the dog to sit and see what happens. So we really want the dog to understand that the words are what we're asking the dog to do regardless of our body language. Stay should be based on what we're asking, not because of where we're positioned, not because we're looking at the dog, backing away from the dog, but asking the dog to stay and saying, I need you to stay in the spot until I release you no matter what I'm doing. And that may mean that I'm just going to sit here beside you. I may go out of sight. I may walk a few feet away, but it doesn't matter what I'm doing because my question or my request is the same. So the pros to having hand signals are for those aging dogs or for the deaf dogs. But even with our aging dogs, hand signals are very easy to put in at a later time than if you put them in first. If you put hand signals in first or any body change, any visual cue will say, if you put any visual cue in first, that will become the default command. And your verbal will be secondary. What we want to teach the dogs is our verbal commands are primary. Those are our primary cues. And then if we need to add in a hand signal, that's the secondary cue. Therefore, it's not necessarily needed in order to get the behavior. But it's handy to have at a later date as the dog starts to age and maybe starts to lose their hearing. So when you are going to add in hand signals, the way you would do it is you would ask for the command first and then within a second, give the hand signal. Not hand signal first and then the verbal. You would do verbal, then the hand signal. That is to add it in at a later time. I do not recommend that you start teaching hand signals for a puppy or a young dog. 
just go with your verbal cues so that your dog hears your voice, hears the verbal cue, and responds. So if my dog is not even looking at me and I say sit, I want my dog to sit. Now, if my dog wants to turn around and look at me and then sit, that's fine. I don't care. I'm not that picky. But I do want him to sit right where he is. Same thing with come. If I say come, I want you to turn on a dime and come back. All because you heard the command. Not because you got the hand signal after three minutes of me trying to get your attention. So I really encourage you to stick to your verbal commands. Watch your body language. Make sure that you're not adding extra visual cues. And make sure that your dog truly understands the words you're asking. I know that sit is one of those common commands that dogs will naturally do in the beginning. It's just natural for dogs to sit. I mean, we don't teach dogs to sit. They already know how to do it, and they're going to do it on a regular basis. And a lot of times when they're unsure of what they're supposed to be doing, their default behavior is sit. And so when people get a new puppy, you know, they're, they're standing with the puppy and they're saying sit, 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 sit. And finally the puppy's like, I really don't know what you want, but I'm really tired, so I'm just going to put my butt on the floor. And then the person goes crazy. Look at there, I taught them to sit. They know sit. Yeah, the dog knows how to sit, but the dog does not understand what you're asking for. So what you want to make sure you do is don't get into those situations where your dog sits automatically. Say when you're at his food bin and you're getting food out and he sits automatically. A lot of people will tell me my dog already knows how to sit. I don't even have to tell him to. Well, in those situations, your dog knows how to put his butt on the floor and he knows how to do it in certain situations, but does he really know your word for that behavior? So if your dog can situationally sit in the kitchen when you're getting his cookie out of the jar, but you've not asked him, then I have to question, does he really know the word or are you just rewarding the behavior on a regular basis, but not really conditioning the verbal cue with it? You're not really associating that verbal cue. So you need to associate that verbal cue. Take advantage of those times that your dog automatically sits and associate your verbal cue. If I know my dog is going to go ahead and put his butt on the floor, I'm going to say sit. Good sit. I'm going to start associating the word with the behavior so that the dog truly understands that that word is my request for him to put his butt on the floor. Don't just take these behaviors for granted. And that is really for any behavior. I mean, let's face it. Your dog already knows how to lay down. He does that on a regular basis. Your dog knows how to come to you. He comes to you on a regular basis. And the sad part is when he comes to you on a regular basis, if it's not convenient, you ignore him. And then he learns that coming to you isn't always rewarding, that maybe eating that rabbit poop is more rewarding than coming to you because the history of coming to you has not been very positive because you've really ignored him or you've only called him to you to end some fun. You don't want to do that. You want to teach the dog that any behavior that you like, you need to acknowledge it on a regular basis. Tell them how good they are. And then you can start to put those words, those verbal cues with those behaviors. So that's just a little bit of something that I wanted to throw out there because I'm just seeing a lot of people that are giving commands to their dogs and unless their body is in a certain position, their dog doesn't respond. And that's not real world training. I'm all about teaching the dog for the real world. You know, not for the obedience ring, uh, not just to show off, but to 
help the dog to have a wonderful life in this world, doing the things I need him to do to keep him safe, to keep him well-mannered in public, and to be able to spend more time with him because I can take him more places. So no visual cues right now, just verbals, right? And start associating your words with the behaviors that your dog is already doing. Go back and listen to the last podcast about uh, looking for the good behavior and expecting the good behavior. And if you focus on that and you start acknowledging it on a regular basis, your dog will start doing it all the time. And once he starts doing it all the time, it's very easy to put the command with the behavior. All right, so that's my little take on um, using visual cues versus verbal cues. Um, now, uh, it's not, again, it's not the end of the world if you do, if your dog can still respond to the verbal by itself. You know, if, you, if you've got your hands full and you ask the dog to sit and stay, he'll do it because you've taught the verbal and you don't have to add in the visual. If that's the case, then add in that visual the way I explained it a couple of minutes ago to where you give the verbal first, then you add the visual. Because what's going to end up happening is the dog's going to hear the verbal, assume that the visual is on its way, and go ahead and respond to the behavior. But do not make it a habit. Really focus on those verbal cues. And, and have somebody watch you to see if you are changing your body language. Or set up a camera. Set up your iPhone camera or your phone camera and video yourself giving commands to your dog to see if you are doing something that's causing the dog to not respond appropriately. Because if you are doing things with your body and then you go, you know, when you're giving a command and then you go to give your dog a command, but you don't do that with your body and your dog doesn't respond, then it's not really fair to, to put a consequence on the dog. It's not really fair to say that the dog is being stubborn and not listening. It's not fair if we're not doing our part, if we're not consistently giving the cues the way we're supposed to give them, which is verbally. And that verbal is also going to be different inflections, different volumes. You know, it's not always sit. You know, it might be, could you just please sit? Or down. I want to be able to say, I need you to lay down, please. Right? So it's something that you just want to teach the dog the actual word. Right? And if your dog does not know the word, then you cannot punish the dog for not responding to you. You know, it's so not fair when these dogs get um, corrected for doing behavior that we think we've taught them, that we think they know, but we've actually not done the job to ensure that they know that behavior. And then we punish them. And then what ends up happening is the dog is, doesn't want to be around you, doesn't want to work with you, doesn't want to train with you because it's no fun, because it's too confusing, because you're speaking a language they don't understand and then punishing them because they didn't respond appropriately. And that's not really a fair thing for dogs. So ask yourself, am I doing everything right to teach my dogs the verbal cues? Am I teaching them the behaviors that I want to see with those verbal cues? Am I adding in any visual cues that could be confusing the dog? Am I adding visual cues that will become the default cue and the dog just disregards the verbal cue? So those are things I want you to ask yourself. And like I said, video yourself if you have to. You know, I'll watch a lot of my clients and I'll point out things that they're doing and they don't even realize they're doing it. They don't realize sometimes that they're doing their body in a certain way when they're asking for a sit or 
you know, um, using a certain tone. They don't even realize they're doing that or rewarding jumping. You know, they just get distracted. So we need to give our dogs, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Instead of assuming they're just going to be stubborn or they're just middle finger or they're just, um, you know, being defiant or, oh, my favorite, they're just trying to be the alpha. Yeah, let's drop that because that's just, well, that's crap. If your dog is not responding, it's usually because they have no idea what you're asking for because you've not been clear in your instruction. You've not been clear in your expectation. So ask yourself that before you go running off that your dog is just stubborn and dominant and, and wanting to rule the house. People that say that and trainers that say that don't understand dog behavior. Now, will your dog give you a middle finger? Absolutely, he'll give you a middle finger, and it's typically in the puppy adolescent stage. You know, the puppy adolescent stage is like having a, a child who loves you and worships, worships the ground you walk on until they become a teenager. And then all of a sudden, you don't know anything. You're dumb, you're stupid, whatever the case may be. They think they know everything, and they have middle fingers. And it's really just about not them trying to be bratty, the dogs are not trying to be bratty. They're just coming into themselves. They're learning more about life and about where they want to be in that life and what they want to do. And dogs are the same way. Your cute puppies at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months old will start to find that there are new things in the world and that you're not the only thing in the world. And, you know, they might have a middle finger here and there. That is not a big deal. It's how you handle it that makes all the difference. Do you get mad and scream and yell at the dog? Or do you follow through in a calm manner to help the dog understand that, hey, I understand what you're going through. I, I was a teenager once. I've been defiant. But let me help you understand that, you know, defiance is fine in certain situations. But when I'm asking you to do this, I need you to follow through. Not the end of the world. So, yeah, I believe in consequences. I believe in, in dogs that will give you a middle finger, but it's not because they just want to be jerks. It's because that their little brains are trying to, to take on this world. And you have a lot of competition out in this world. Your dog smells hundreds and hundreds of things. They see things. They hear things you don't. There's so much going on in their little brain. You're just one sound in their brain. You need to be the most important sound, but that needs to be in a positive way. If it's negative, your dog is going to drown you out even more. So ask yourself, are you doing everything that you need to do to set your dog up for success? Help your dog learn to work with you and not against you. To respond to just those verbal cues. And to keep you you know, in tune, to keep in tune with you, no matter where you are, what you're doing. So it really all comes back to you. Yeah, dogs need to be trained, they need to learn, and, and they do make mistakes, but dogs are fairly easy when it comes to teaching. It's teaching people, it's teaching you guys how to interact with your dog appropriately, how to give them the benefit of the doubt, how to be very clear in what you're asking. And when you really start to get down to it and start thinking about it, it's amazing how smart these dogs are and how they can pick up our words. You know, think about you trying to learn a new language and you 
being thrown into another country where they don't speak your language. And, you know, they're trying to tell you to do things. Does it help if they get louder or they start screaming at you, using the same word or changing the tone? No. So I think it's pretty amazing, these dogs, that can understand the words that we're asking them to do and respond and do those things. So that's going to be my little hodgepodge podcast for the day. Um, I had some other things I wanted to throw in, but I didn't expect this one to go this long. I really thought I'd just kind of throw it out there in 10 minutes, have something else we'd talk about. But I think it was, this was important enough to, to throw in some more information and to really put it out there and help you guys to understand that if your dog's not responding to you, ask yourself, have you done everything correctly to help your dog learn how to respond to you? And if you've not, then it's time that you start to learn and you start to improve yourself so that your dog can improve. And if you need some help, we'll be, we're here to help you. We offer private training, group training, online training. Our podcasts are there. If you need help, reach out. And, and if you're not local, find a positive trainer in your area who truly understands dog behavior and doesn't just have this attitude that the dog's just trying to be dominant or alpha or the dog you have to put consequences and you have to punish and put a prong collar or you got to have a shock collar. Yeah, let's just stay away from those people. Stay away from those that call themselves balanced trainers. Balanced means that I will still shock your dog, but I will give them a treat when they do the right thing. And that still means that they don't understand true dog behavior if they're resorting to using aversive techniques. So that's all I've got. Uh, really uh, want you guys to send me some questions for our question and answer podcast. Um, and if you have just even new ideas for a podcast, shoot them over to me. Um, there, I do have a lot of ideas, but there's some that's going to take some, um, some real work on me putting an outline, uh, something I can't just sit and talk about, uh, just because I want to make sure I cover everything. And that's just going to take some time. I've just been super busy with uh, the service dog organization I work with, Retrieving Independence. If you've not heard about them, please look us up. Uh, it's such a great program that we do and that we have uh, to train service dogs. And our service dogs uh, go to the men's prison here in Middle Tennessee. And we've just started the program in the women's prison here in Middle Tennessee. So uh, we're growing by leaps and bounds. And... Uh, you know, giving some people their independence back by training these service dogs and uh, helping them to move on with their life in a more positive way. So check Retrieving Independence out. Such a great program. And, and I want to do a podcast with the executive director to come on uh, so we can talk about the program, but also talk about uh, the different type of service dogs, the different type of, of working dogs out there so that people can truly understand uh, the difference between service dogs and therapy dogs emotional support dogs and things like that. So that is a podcast that will be coming up. In the meantime, check out Retrieving Independence. Also, be sure you like us on Facebook at Dog Speak 101. Sign up for our, our newsletter through our website, dogspeak101.com. Um, please share this podcast um, and just send us your thoughts. Um, rate us, please, so that other people can find us because we want to create Dog Speak Geeks across the world. If we can create Dog Speak Geeks across the world, uh, then we're going to be helping more dogs. Uh, I love you guys, and I appreciate you guys, and I really hope 
that uh, these podcasts help you to have a better relationship with your dog. Um, And your dog is probably going to be a little thankful that you are listening and trying to educate yourself on how to be a better human for him.